0: perfectly fine fine Fine.
1: fine fine you're listening to everything is fine in southwest washington where we recognize that everything is not at all fine discuss what we can do about it and empower you to connect with your community
0: are you not concerned about the binary between either condemning israel entirely um, being like also a stance
1: that a lot of like very strong and notorious anti-Semitic people agree with versus like you know seeing this as more of a complex issue where it is wrong what's going on and that there's also a way to do this that Israel still exists and is supported
0: So, or is so it's not a complex issue. That's the big thing. It's Super simple. There's one group that has enormous power, it's the most powerful country in the Middle East. It's backed by the United States it acts on another population of people with total impunity and is never held accountable for anything. So there's no symmetry in the relationship, period. And just as like a thought experiment, IDW people, if we know that if somehow a population of Jewish refugees ended up in West Bank and Gaza and an Arabic government in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv had an open air prison in what you know Jewish Gaza which they bombed white phosphorus, they killed civilians indiscriminately, and they had no uh, provisions for medicine. They had an embargo that blocked food, that the electricity wasn't running, that there was an over 48% unemployment rate, life expectancy and malnutrition statistics were horrifying. The uh, one of the major uh, policy makers in this hypothetical Arabic Palestinian state said, we need to put those Jews on a diet. In the West Bank, there was another Jewish area where there was a little bit more autonomy, but there was regular Arabic settlements where they pulled up the Jewish farmers' foods, they terrorized them with rocks, the security forces broke children's bones, and they couldn't drive their own roads. We'd all have no problem understanding what that was. So there's nothing complex about it. The second part of your question, it's it's a pure asymmetry relationship, and the question is rights or not. So that's it, it's not complicated. The second part of your question, at this point, there's always, been, there's always going to be crackpots who are anti-Semitic who condemn Israel. That's not what drives the movement. It's particularly in the United States. We work around most people who are concerned with this issue. It's actually populated with a lot of Jewish people. The real question we have to ask is why is it that Israel is an alt-right state even though it is from the descendants of the victims of one of the greatest crimes in history. That's a serious question, and that's inseparable from the racism of the project, which goes back to the first part that we have to solve. But thank you. Shalom. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the narrative fell apart about the babies and the rape and Hamas' and ISIS and, and because it just became quickly about the war crimes. Every day that Israel was committing, hundreds killed in single airstrikes, shelters and mosques and hospitals. it was just It's just horrific day to day. It just continues to get worse.
1: Hello, everybody. As I said before during our Surfing the Apocalypse series, while this podcast was born partially from the idea that we need more people paying attention to issues through the local lens and connecting with their own communities where they can affect real, tangible change— It's imperative to understand ourselves and our communities within the larger context that we exist in. The lines between local, regional, national, and global don't really exist when you think about it. Whether it comes to the climate crisis, whether it comes to foreign policy, and especially when it comes to the fact that we live in the United States of America, the belly of the beast the biggest empire in terms of military might and power that this planet has ever known, and the world's arms dealer that is currently supplying the right-wing fascist ethnostate of Israel as it carries out a genocide before our very eyes. So yes, if you follow the social media account, you know that I have been sharing about Palestine, and I believe I would be morally wrong not to use this platform, no matter how small and humble it may be, to speak out against the horrific ongoing genocide that is being carried out by my country, by your country, by our country, with the billions of our tax dollars that are being sent to Israel. I should interject a disclaimer that um, I'm using the term I instead of we because I am not speaking for my co-host Philip, who contributes often to this podcast. This is simply not a topic him and I have spoken about, and I've chosen to cover this on my own. So I just want to clarify that. So what I'm trying to do here is give a basic but thorough explanation of this to people who um, think they're not capable of understanding this quote-unquote complex issue. Um, And I just want to uh, empower people to feel like they can understand what's going on and believe what they're seeing. And understand that there is no moral justification for what they're seeing. Um, You're capable of educating yourself. You're capable of media literacy. You're capable of understanding the situation. And so I just, I want people to be empowered um, to feel that way. Because I think at this point, those might be the only reasons anybody hasn't come to a conclusion on where they stand on this issue. At least that's what I'm hoping. So anyhow... What I've tried to do here is lay out the basics of what is going on in Palestine, a little bit of the history, explaining how this is a genocide and there is clear, obvious genocidal intent, and then point you to uh, really good journalists um, and advocacy groups that have been caring about this issue for many, many, many years, as this has is a very old issue. Um, and so anyways, my hope for this is, is for this to be some kind of springboard for you. And for those that already know, I hope you, um, enjoy, wouldn't be the right word. Uh, I hope you listen any, anyway, and know that this local podcaster, uh, feels the same way you do. And I'm just trying to do what I can in my, my capacity as a single individual, in the United States, uh, to get the word out, raise awareness and, um, and try to activate and mobilize others. The reason the world, in case you've been living under a rock, is focused now on Palestine is because of the attack by Hamas on October 7th and the subsequent wildly disproportionate mass murder and collective punishment of innocent Palestinians rising to a death count of what was thought to be at this point, 11,000 civilians, 5,000 children, blown up, starved, babies removed from incubators because there's no power. But actually, just out today or yesterday, we've got a senior Israeli security source disclosing that an estimated 20,000 people were killed um, in occupation airstrikes in the Gaza Strip. So, I mean, who knows uh, where we're at here, but all we know is that it's massive. Um, the death toll of civilians, majority women, children, and elderly. And all of this death having been perpetrated by the government of Israel in its proclaimed justified response to the attack by Hamas. So to quote what Chris Hedges, um, who is an American journalist, former war correspondent, um, he's been to Gaza and has reported on Israel-Palestine for years, said recently about Hamas's attack on October 7th, Uh, Quote, to say I understand it does not mean I condone it. I agree that any innocent life cannot be construed to be justified. But the context in which this attack came about is an ongoing brutal siege and occupation of a people that is happening and has been happening for 75 years. In that context, that truth cannot be ignored. The actions of Israel and the deprivation of human rights of the Palestinians created the conditions for violent resistance, and this should be obvious and not controversial. Saying this is not justifying or failing to condemn any war crimes that Hamas committed. It is merely a rational observation that indicates a specific rational solution to ending the bloodshed. For good. So I'll come back to that in a second. But before I go on... I think there's enough details about the October 7th attack um, that have emerged, as well as a lack of detail, um, a lack of corroboration and, dare I say, lies of Israel, these lies of 40 beheaded babies and mass rape that Israel told at the very beginning of this that was supposedly committed by Hamas as as they made their attack on October 7th. On top of this, we have this recent reduction in casualties from October 7th that Israel is now reporting as 1,200, not the original 1,400. And to quote journalist Abby Martin recently, quote, we don't know how many of those people were military, we don't know how many were armed settlers, and we don't know how many Israeli forces killed themselves between the crossfire, the shelling into the kibbutzes, and also via Apache helicopters, um, which there's video of, by the way with fleeing civilians in the crowd of the festival. What the hell actually did happen on October 7th, she asks. And again, the fact that Israel is now coming out and claiming a smaller number of casualties from October 7th indicates to me, at least, that they're trying to get ahead of more damning info that might come out about their actions that contributed to deaths of civilians that day as the fog of war settles. Again, we cannot ignore what preceded October 7th. "'the ongoing brutal siege and occupation by Israel of Palestine, "'the inhumane conditions, the lack of clean drinking water, "'the malnutrition, the open-air prison of Gaza, "'the prior bombings of Gaza,' The violent Israeli settlers in the West Bank, the checkpoints, the harassment, the general second-class citizen status of the Palestinian people within the illegal ethno-state of Israel, the killings, the detention of Palestinians held indefinitely without charge or trial. You cannot do what has been done to a population of people and not expect that something like this would happen when Palestinians have tried everything else to resist their occupation. And again, to say that does not imply that any Israeli civilians who were hurt or killed by Hamas deserved it or that war crimes on Hamas's part were justified. We are talking about the actions of Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, who, by the way, pied pipered Hamas into power, and the government of Israel creating a hell of a life for Palestinians that breeds resistance. And that is why it cannot be stressed enough that the safety of both the Israeli people and the Palestinians depends on an end to the illegal occupation, settler colonialism, apartheid, and genocide that has been orchestrated by Israel in what is internationally recognized as occupied Palestinian land. So what's happening now? Why is Israel's so-called response to Hamas being called a genocide? I'd be surprised if you guys have not witnessed video after video of blown-up child, the ever-increasing death count of children, journalists, doctors, nurses, the blowing up of hospitals, schools, shelters, ancient mosques, the cutting off of electricity, which has killed premature babies on incubators at Al-Shifa Hospital in Gaza most recently— Cutting off telecommunications, the blocking of food, water, and aid to this population of 2 million people, half of which are children of basic needs. (sighs) Some of the more disturbing happenings are Israel telling Gazans to evacuate out one area and then intentionally bombing that escape route. You've got children holding press conferences begging the world not to kill them. Parents writing names on body parts so they can identify their children if they get blown up. People videoing anguished parents with their babies' dead bodies to prove that Israel is killing them. Videos of kids covered in wounds, trapped under rubble covered in toxic soot. I mean, I feel like the most horrible, savage shit you could ever think of is being live streamed for all of us to see out in the open. This is inexcusable. These are war crimes. This is genocide a genocide that we are funding and that our government, the United States, has the leverage to stop or at least make much more difficult for Israel to carry out. And if you don't believe what you see in pictures and videos coming out of Gaza with your own eyes and ears, from reports from Doctors Without Borders and others, take it from Israel itself. There are an astounding number of Israeli officials that have come out to say the quiet part out loud. They are so confident in their impunity that they're not even denying it. Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu's office posted on Twitter around the same time that Israel was blowing up a hospital in Gaza. This was like last week. I mean, there's been multiple hospitals blown up since, right? I mean, it's just every day. So this one's a little old. So same time that Israel was blowing up a hospital in Gaza, that the conflict was a struggle between the children of light and the children of darkness, between humanity and the law of the jungle. This tweet was deleted shortly after it was posted. Netanyahu also invoked a Bible story about a tribe called Amalek, saying, quote, You must remember what Amalek has done to you. So in the story that Netanyahu references, the Israelites were told to exterminate all the men, women, and children from Amalek. In case you didn't catch that, he is likening Palestine to Amalek. You've got Defense Minister Yov Gallant saying Israel was fighting human animals and ordering a complete siege on the Gaza Strip. No electricity, no food, and no fuel for Gaza. Forgive my pronunciation. Revital Gottlieb, member of the Israeli Knesset, called for a doomsday nuclear missile option to flatten Gaza without mercy. Israel's public diplomacy minister. Quote, erase all of Gaza from the face of the earth, that the Gazan monsters will fly to the southern fence and try to enter Egyptian territory or they will die, and their death will be evil. Gaza should be erased. Heritage Minister Amichai Eliyahu, the north of the Gaza Strip is more beautiful than ever. Blow up and flatten everything. Just a treat for the eyes. And called for giving that land to Israeli settlers. Giora Island, quote, Israel needs to create a humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Gaza will become a place where no human being can exist. The Israeli president suggesting that civilians in Gaza are indeed legitimate targets, claiming they weren't so innocent because they chose not to rise up against Hamas. Israel's Minister for Agriculture, quote, we are now actually rolling out the Gaza Nakba. This is notable because for years, Israel and its supporters claimed that the Nakba, which was, um, believe translates to catastrophe um but uh the nakba is in reference to the violent displacement and dispossession of palestinians from their land in 1948 this is something that israel and israel supporters um have claimed never actually happened but here we are with the minister for agriculture just straight up saying nakba 2023 Here we've got another deleted tweet from the IDF account, quote, we know that ambulances are used to transport patients in need of emergency medical care and hospitals are institutions where patients go to receive medical treatment, right? For Hamas, ambulances are used to transport its operatives and weapons to disguise them as civilians. And hospitals are in fact terrorist infrastructure, not the most medical purpose. This is against international law and turns them into legitimate military targets. And speaking of those hospitals, I know I brought up the premature dying babies already that have no oxygen. So on top of them, the other dead and dying in these hospitals um, as they lack power and supplies and all of the things they need to help all the people that have been fucking blown up and um, need amputations or um, whatever, right? On top of all that, just the, the, the devastation that is continuing inside these hospitals as they lack what they need to save the wounded and the dying from the actual bombardments. We've also got reports of people being sniped through the windows of Al-Shifa Hospital and finally there were plans leaked that the netanyahu ministry actually quickly confirmed were true interestingly enough Um, they contained an option for transferring all Gazans out to the sinai desert in egypt for permanent expulsion so permanent expulsion i mean this is definitionally what ethnic cleansing is quick google search what is ethnic cleansing quote the mass expulsion or killing of members of an unwanted ethnic or religious group in a society So we've got Israel doing the mass killing, Uh, it's currently demanding evacuations of the people of Gaza that it hasn't killed, and it has confirmed its plan for permanent expulsion. What more does anyone else want to call this what it is? This is also a lesson in how we pretty much do not live in a democracy especially the higher up the electoral level you go. We've got 66% of Americans horrified about all of this and supportive of a ceasefire in Palestine with only a tiny handful of progressive lawmakers, none of them white, by the way, supporting it and way the fuck more lawmakers in support of censuring the only Palestinian woman in Congress whose grandmother lives in fucking Palestine right now, enduring this. Yet there are even progressives out there you know progressives except for palestine out there tone policing her for saying from the river to the sea palestine will be free because israel and its supporters and its supporters have chosen to intentionally manipulate people over what that phrase means it is a rallying cry to the end of the occupation a restoration of his of historic Palestine within one state from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, with the restored human rights of the Palestinian people to live freely as equal to everyone else. This is not a call for Israelis being expelled or going anywhere else. That is just more projection from Israel. And no, we should not fall for and cede ground to this argument about sensitivity to this phrase. Yet we've got people daring to say that Talib reporting this phrase was going too far and not bringing Democrats to her side to help her cause. This is the same argument as we can't say climate change if we want people to support climate action. It's fucking farcical. And let's get real here. Almost exclusively, save for four Democrats out of the 22 who voted to censure Rashida Talib, are actively accepting money from APAC which is the big Israel lobby for those of you who don't know. So actively accepting money from APAC. So not just afraid of APAC, not just can't grow a fucking spine and voting present on Iron Dome funding. No, actively taking money from the Israel lobby. So get out of here with this shit about using the politically correct words to bring people to your side as if any of this political game is about good faith disagreements on issues and searching for common ground. It's not. It's about the wholesale corruption of our political system, the monstrous influence of the military-industrial complex, and powerful interests leveraging power, not democracy. And I thought that progressives knew this. If Rashida Talib stopped saying from the river to the sea... Are we seriously pretending that these APAC shills would just leave her alone and not create outrage and insinuate anti-Semitism from anything else she said? What a fucking joke. So no, I will not support tone-placing the only Palestinian woman in Congress during a genocide of her people and giving absolutely outside scrutiny to her language choices at the same time that we've got Republicans coming out saying Israel should flatten Gaza to a parking lot. It's just funny because When Republicans do this, it's like, oh, those crazy Republicans be Republicans. You know, let's let's not focus on that. You know what? Let's uh, let's nitpick this Palestinian woman about uh, during a tragic period of her life that must be going on right now. Let's nitpick her about her word choices because she wasn't mealy mouthed enough to bring Democrats to her side. That's fucking bullshit. They take APAC money. These are not the kind of tactics the left should be engaging in, and yes, I am saying this because this was an actual argument that was being made to me recently by a progressive. Just one more thing on this river to the sea stuff. Listen to this from Abby Martin again talking about the historical revisionism about this phrase that is happening right now in real time
2: you mentioned the phrase from the river to the sea this is fascinating the anti-defamation league prior to october 7th recognized that phrase as just a simple chant at pro-palestine demonstrations fast forward they have retroactively changed their website to change history real time. There is historical revisionism going on across the board to now say that is a phrase that always meant incitement to the genocide of Jewish people. And now we're we're sitting here debating um, a hypothetical phrase of hypothetical incitement to genocide versus actual genocide happening day to day, thousands of babies being pulled out of rubble. And this is the bullshit that we're talking about what is from the river to the sea mean meanwhile commanders of the israeli army are gleefully cheering on we're going to take lebanon
1: okay and that's all you're going to get from me as far as what i wanted to put out there i honestly feel uncomfortable covering all of this at the same time that i feel compelled to um having a bit of imposter syndrome right now um As I said at the beginning, there are people out there who are scholars and longtime journalists who have been on the ground, um, who specialize in foreign policy, and they specialize on this topic. Um, So I'd rather point you towards more information from them about Israel-Palestine, where I get my information. So yeah, this is just a springboard for listeners. I know this isn't a local issue, but as I said before, you know, local uh, is regional, is national, is global. Um, we are all together, and there's so much out there. Every minute of every day, another atrocity is being reported. Uh, more schools and hospitals attacked. I just saw today a day at least one other journalist killed. There's no way I could even cover it all, um, either. But I, I really. I really want you to be empowered to speak on this topic as I have, to educate yourself further, to talk to people about this, to share on social media, to protest, to do direct action, demanding a stop to the bloodshed. Um, Don't let people trap you into this lie of it being complicated. As the late, great, and Jewish Michael Brooks said at the top of this episode, it's not complicated. Everyone has a responsibility to get out and do something about this. And before I I touch on um, those other journalists and groups, I would like to highlight, um, I do want to touch on the doing something part. So as far as doing something, I've not seen any actions happening in Vancouver. This kind of angered me a little bit at first, but I do now feel that given that senators mostly in the Biden administration itself are the target of pressure for a ceasefire right now, that it makes sense to hold large protests in the bigger cities that will get more national and global attention. Uh, There are marches and direct actions happening in Seattle and Tacoma. While I've been attending the Portland marches, I recommend you go to those because they're closer. And there are sit-ins and other direct actions happening there as well. If you can bring yourself to it and are in a life situation for something riskier, like a sit-in or a blockade, please consider doing it as we know that those are most effective. And also remember, oftentimes you can be involved in those Uh, actions without opting to be the one risking a risk. So at least explore those actions if, if if you feel like you can. On top of this, this is one of those times where participating in social media actually matters. And this is like literally the least bottom of the barrel shit you can do in between selfies, dog photos, cocktails, food, whatever. And I'll share right now that I've been disheartened by those who I personally follow who for some reason do not yet feel compelled after all this to publicly draw their own moral line in the sand and raise awareness about this active genocide our country is paying for. If friends and family are listening, not that many of them do, I see you liking my posts but not sharing them. Come on now. I don't personally follow or know a whole lot of listeners of this podcast, so I don't know what the hell you people are doing, but please, I implore you to take some kind of action. That is the entire purpose of me spending time and energy to put out this episode, um, is to compel you to take action. This isn't fun for me. Um, I mean, other episodes are fun. I like doing this podcast, but you know what I mean. And I'll also share in the show notes some legitimate places to send monetary aid to the Palestinian people for emergency relief. So on to those other sources I'd like to recommend. Abby Martin, who I've quoted here, any person you've heard on a previous episode regarding her work exposing the U.S. military as the number one polluter in the world and an intentionally concealed massive contributor to the climate crisis, is actually more well-known as a longtime journalist who has been speaking out about the illegal Israeli occupation of Palestine for over a decade, if not more. Um, She's interviewed countless individuals, including former Israeli Defense Forces people. She's been to the West Bank. She has spoken with many Palestinians and Israelis over her many years of investigative journalism. While she has a show called The Empire Files, where Palestine is often featured, she also created a full-length documentary with on-the-ground footage of the 2018 Great March of Return in Gaza called Gaza Fights for Freedom, which was a series of massive non-violent civil disobedience efforts on behalf of the Palestinian people trapped in Gaza to approach the wall in which they are caged by Israel as hostages in an open-air prison. This documentary, in such a succinct, simple, clear-cut manner, tells the history of the occupation and indicts Israel for its war crimes during that time as it indiscriminately and with impunity sniped away the lives of journalists, medics, and children in broad daylight long before the violence we're seeing today. So I recommend anyone new to this issue start by watching this documentary. It's so foundational and it has been made free on YouTube and I believe uh, on many other streaming services as well. Additionally, Media Roots Radio is another effort by Abby and her brother, Robbie Martin, and I recommend their recent episodes on Israel-Palestine, starting with the episode called 99 Layers of Hasbro to sell the Israeli killing machine. Katie Halper is also a Jewish journalist who is very outspoken on Palestine and often interviews other notable Jews and others who are against the Israeli occupation. I really appreciate her YouTube show, The Katie Halper Show, specifically for the quality of her interview guests. Um, She actually just had a live stream today, which was an interview with the PSL candidate uh, for president, Claudia de la Cruz. Um, Definitely recommend that. Also, I recommend Rania Kalik. Um, she is a journalist that reports from Beirut in Lebanon, um, and I I really appreciate her her knowledge about Middle East politics. She lives right there, um, so to to have a an a uh, perspective from someone you know somewhat on the ground outside the U.S. about um, the relationships in the Middle East, about Israel. She's also been out there talking about uh, the relationship between Israel and Lebanon, about the potential for this genocide in Gaza to what the red lines are for Lebanon, for them to be kind of forced into this war and for it to turn into a broader regional conflict and who knows, maybe a World War Three situation. So that's um, I find her reporting uh, fascinating, educational, informative, um, and right now very terrifying. So, for groups, Jewish Voice for Peace is a great group to follow who refuses to let Israel get away with atrocities in the name of the Jewish people. This group organizes people to speak out against Israel's intentional conflation of Zionism, which is the movement for the establishment of the Jewish ethno state of Israel, versus. Judaism, which is merely the Jewish religion. So in case you haven't heard this already, in case you didn't know, to be anti-Zionist is not to be anti-Semitic. And if you are worried that accusations of anti-Semitism will be weaponized against you for speaking out against the genocide your government is currently funding with your tax dollars to the tune of billions of dollars, then there are plenty plenty of jews standing on the right side of history right now who you can point to who will shatter those arguments pretty quickly all right that's it from me on the topic of palestine i hope to see you in the streets it's a great way to fight depression but i just want to add one tiny additional plea for people to reach out about coming on this podcast Please let me know what issues you want to talk about, what shitty church or amusement park or other development project is being proposed in your neighborhood, or what cool idea you have for resource sharing, what you are being proactive about in the community. Um, I'm hoping to have someone on soon with a lighter topic that is proactive on climate change and fascinating for a break from the doom and gloom on the next episode. Uh, Until then, thanks for listening and free Palestine.